Hey, let's go. This is Patrick Steenberg, founder and president of Global Football. And welcome to our podcast called Let's Go. Today, I've got a special friend, a longtime buddy I've traveled various places of the world with. And I uh, want to welcome from Eastern Michigan University, Coach Chris Creighton. Chris, where do we find you today? Well, I think just like the, the rest of the country, I'm, I'm at home. Um, it's a blue sky day. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm in a home office here um, trying to trying to make the day count. Wonderful. Well, you and I uh, have done a number of things together over the last ooh, 16, 17 years. I was going back in history. But uh, do you remember, you know, before that first Wabash trip that we did in 2003 to Europe, do you remember how we happened to meet or how that how that even came together? Well, um, I, I do. Uh, there had been other folks that had taken the trip. Um, and uh, so I think I got their name from from other Division three coaches, got your name, got Global Football's name and and um, had reached out that way. So I don't I don't believe it was at the convention or anything like that. It was it was uh, right. it was word of mouth. And so just reached out about, you know, our wanting to do a trip with you. I'm always uh, fascinated how people I've known for a while, you know, how we first get together. And it's great that you had that motivation, that uh, impetus, I guess, to reach out to me. And then and then we did that first journey and then we traveled again with Wabash down to Panama in 2006. And then, of course, our epic Tanzania journey in, in 2011. But let me go back a little bit in your life as you were growing up. And, uh, you know, in your childhood, maybe through high school, can you recall mentors, people who uh, coaches, people who had us, you know, still have a profound impact on your life from those days? Oh, there's no question. Um, you know, the the best coach that I ever had, um, his name is Greg Kalina, and he was our JV um, high school basketball coach at Roosevelt High School in Seattle, Washington, and then was an assistant with the varsity team and lost state championship my senior year by one point. Um, but I'm telling you that that guy um, was the best, best coach that, that I ever had um, and is a friend uh, to this day. Um, but, you know, all coaches that, you know, when I was playing all the different sports obviously had, had an impact on me and um, obviously my parents, um, you know, at a relatively young age, I became a, a college head coach. And so, you know, I, I only had three um, head coaches when I was an assistant and um, all three of those guys had an impact on my, on my career as well. Um, but they were all really short term. I was a graduate assistant with Jim Brown at Concordia university in, in uh, Chicago um, and then Dale Liston gave me my first head, head, uh, not head, my first full-time job at Manchester college, hired me when I was over in Sweden. Um, and then Dave Harms, uh, replaced Dale Liston after two years. And, and I, I coached with him at Manchester. Um, and so the, all, all three of those guys, I learned a lot from, um, but it's really been the coaches that I've worked with, um, that, uh, 
you know, I, I know what you're asking by saying mentor and, and, and really just sitting around the table, you know, um, with, with Neil Nethery for whatever it's been now, you know, 18, 17, 18 years, um, or constantly talking to, um, a really good friend of mine, Rod Sandberg, who's the head coach over at Whitworth, um, uh, Pedro Ruza, you know, Rick Fox, who worked together for six years at Drake university. Um, so instead of kind of growing up as a, you know, a longtime assistant with, with head coaches, um, you know, it's really been, um, been colleagues, been guys, you know, on, on staff with me that have probably mentored me, um, uh, and, and grown me up more than anyone. Um, it had, I had worked as an assistant for a long time, you know, the, the two coaches that I, I think have, have really impacted me um, without ever having played for him or worked for him would be Bill McCartney and Jim Tressel. Um, and, and to this day, um, both of those men, I think have had a profound Im- impact on, on my career and on my life. But uh, yeah, it's crazy because I, you know, again, never played for him or, or never worked with him. You know, as you're talking there, I'm, I'm sensing, uh, you know, you're, understanding of of coaching being so much more than just hey i'm the boss you know but it's a team effort when you've got your your coaches in your room when you're together with your players and i know you you believe really strongly in you know having strong leaders and then the the team effort that happens tell me a little bit i know we've uh we've had some great chances to talk in in wonderful places around the world some evenings we've sat around had a cup of coffee and i know the uh the closeness you had have with Jim Tressel and how he impacted your life. Go into that story a little bit because uh, people still know, you know, about Jim Tressel. He's one of those icons from Ohio State years. <clears throat> yeah, no question. So it wasn't until, you know, spring of my senior year uh, that I realized that I wanted to be a, a college coach. Um, I was, was actually all signed up, ready to go and excited about being a part of the second year of teach for America. Um, and so I was going to graduate and then they were shipping us to USC for two months and, and teach for America's non-education majors who are basically going to do like a peace corps for two years of teaching in the States to the worst school districts. And so anyway, um, I was going to go teach first grade Spanish in Compton, LA. Um, and, uh, was, was excited about it at my spring break though. I was with one of my best friends in Cleveland, Ohio one night, and we just started breaking down who I was from midnight till it ended up being about three o'clock in the morning and, and uh, make a long story short at 3.00 AM with seriously, without ever having considered it before I said, I'm going to be a college coach. And uh, so when spring break was over, I went back and, and my head coach, Jim Meyer, I said, man, I want to be a coach. What do I do? And he said, you need to go up to Youngstown State. And I'm from Seattle in Ohio. So I don't I don't know Youngstown State or anything like that. And you need to meet with Jim Trussell. So he sets it up for me to go to one of their spring practices. And I, I show up and uh, practice is going. I have no idea who he is. I mean, there's no Internet. I can't look him up. Yeah. So, you know, there's 14 coaches and I have no idea which one he is. And so practice finishes, everybody takes a knee. And then this man gets up and for two minutes just basically talks about, hey, 
you know, shower up and we're going to have meetings. And I thought I was listening to the president of the United States. I mean, I just, my mouth hit the floor. I'm not kidding you. It was unbelievable. And, and then he ended up spending an hour and a half with me um, after the practice. And here, here's a guy who's, you know, never going to be able to contribute to anything, you know, that he's doing. And I just, um, that, that was a, an unbelievable hour and a half. And, and he finished it by handing me his winner's manual, which ended up becoming a book, which if people haven't read, they should. Um, and, and I'm telling you that, that winner's manual um, just profoundly uh, impacted me in terms of just opening up my eyes to what a football program, what a football experience uh, could be. Wow, that's uh, and you've continued with that winner's manual concept, right? Uh, you do one every year with your teams. I do, I do. I, I, I um, it, you know, if if uh, copy is the is the you know best way to flatter someone, you know, I, I did. I start calling it a champion's manual. I've been doing it since 1997, and um, it absolutely uh, was birthed from Coach Kressel's. Uh, winner's manuals. And, you know, now it's, it's usually a little bit over 250 pages and has zero pages of actual football. Um, yeah. But it has everything, you know, to do with the program and, and the theme for the year, the program goals, you know, um, and uh, just motivation, goal setting. Um, and uh, I, I love doing it every year. I, I do. Um, and it, it all comes from him. And, I, you know, I've seen that in your office in, in places you've been. How does how do you get that book, you know, the contents of that, the the thought, the themes, the energy of that? How do you relate that to your to your players and your fellow coaches? Yeah, that's good. So, the, you know, the 250 plus pages um, aren't all new every year. Uh, so I, you know, I update it every year. So just, you know, with our five program goals, um, we'll put in, you know, the new articles that have to do with, with those goals or accomplishments that our guys, um, you know, events that we've done that fall under each of those program goals. And so that's how it's kept alive and different every year. The, the part that is completely different every year is, is our theme. And so, you know, every year immediately after the season, we start asking the question, you know, what does our team need to do uh, and or what does our team need to become in order to be our best or to take our next step as a as a team or as a program? And, um, you know, after usually months of of daily deep thought you know trying to answer that question um the theme the theme just comes um and and then we uh we spend a lot of time you know researching the theme getting ideas and articles and youtube videos whatever would have to do with you know that year's theme and we compile all that in the champion's manual we give the champions manual to, to each of our players on the first night of camp. And okay. sometimes the theme's already been introduced. And sometimes, you know, the, the start of the season is really the first time that we're sort of unveiling the theme and we make a big deal out of it. Wow. That's, uh, and I, again, I've been around you remember last, last year when we were up 
waiting to uh, summit Pikes Peak with your seniors and some of your coaches. And we sat around the campfire talking about that theme. And that was one of the more moving nights, you know, of my adulthood, just listening to your your players, you know, these young men from all different backgrounds talk about that theme and, and what it meant to them. How does that that theme, like you say, how does that carry you through the season? You know, because every season has its ups and downs, right? I mean, <laughs> it's yep. pretty rare that somebody goes 13-0. and 0. So how does that theme stay with you every day and, and through the adversities of the season? Well, that's I mean, that's an awesome question. And, and honestly, um, you know, I've done this, you know, enough years now where um, there have been, um, you know, out of the whatever it's been, 22 or 23, there have been probably several years that I have not done um, as good of a job as, as I should have and could have of keeping the theme alive. Um, and so definitely learn, you know, from my mistakes. And so we, we are very intentional, you know, with how we uh, keep the theme alive. And it's a little bit different every year, but, um, uh, and how we do that. But, you know, now with, with you know, we plaster, plaster it all over the building. Um, yeah. And so uh, on the back of t-shirts, put it on the helmet. Um, so there, there's that way, but it's, it's the stories and it's the reminders and it's the talks as a team, um, you know, that are weekly, if not daily, um, that keep the theme alive. Here's something I think is interesting. Since we put so much time and thought into, um, you know, what the theme should be for that year, that I think that we nail it every year. Because if you don't nail that, then, then you know, it's all for naught, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're going through hard times. The season started and it's not relevant or whatever. Um, but bo- most every year, if not every year, we've, we've nailed the theme. And here's the challenge I have for our staff and to our seniors is that, and this is true, that the teams that have lived the theme always have had a special season. I mean, it's just, it's, it is, it is a hundred percent. And, and Patrick, you were an enormous part of our 2011 uh, theme and season with Tupande Kililani. Yeah. Our, our epic, as you called it, you know, trip to Tanzania, Africa for two weeks with our, with our Drake football team and Tupande Kililani you know, is let's climb to the summit together in Swahili. And part of that trip was we summited, climbed and summited a six day, you know, summit climb of Mount Kilimanjaro, the rooftop of Africa. And so that was our theme. We had it through that spring and then into the season. And we had not won a conference championship um, at Drake up until that point. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but Pat Cashmore, our running back, when he, they captured him kissing the wooden yeah. sign at the summit yeah. of Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. And then when we were having our debrief, um, you know, a, a few days later before we were about to leave, Cam Good, you know, said he had a vision of when he was videoing Pat Cashmore of kissing, you know, the, the rooftop of Africa's sign of him hoisting the pioneer football league trophy at the end of the season on the field and kissing it as we were winning the league championship. And so you fast forward a couple months later, 
It's a home game against a rival Dayton, you know, to win the league. We win the league. The trophy is on the field and we're all celebrating and going nuts. And Pat Cashmore raises up the trophy and kisses it, you know, and, you know, I mean, my life was over. I mean, you could have taken me right then and there and I'd have been just fine. Um, and uh, so, um, and that, you know, we just mapped out that entire season, you know, um, of climbing, right. Each, each yeah. week was a step and, and those guys live that theme and we'll be bonded and connected for so many reasons forever, you know, from that year and that trip and, and then that season. Um, but uh, you know, that's when the, when the theme has been realized and that we just go all in on it. It's just, it, it's a special season every time. And you have to make that, I mean, visible to your guys, right? Cause you're dealing with 22 year olds whose minds are everywhere. I mean, they're studying, they got girlfriends, they got things at home, they got football. You've got to keep that in front. And as I recall being in, in the Drake locker room, um, you did a kind of a, an outline of the, the steps of Kilimanjaro and each step was like spring practice, you know, uh, spring yep. game, first game, get right. You had every step right there. So they saw it every day. Am I correct? You got it. Yep, absolutely. We mapped out the climb was the map out of the, of the year. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I've always said that we're not trying to find a slogan for the back of a t-shirt. Yes. Um, and we are trying to, to find the answer to those questions that I had talked about. And so, you know, sometimes when I'm, when I first talk to the seniors or, or the staff about it, you know, it's not like, Oh, that's, that's awesome. Like, Oh yeah, that sounds really good. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's more, um, you know, they contemplate it and it doesn't always sound sexy, but it, mm -hmm. when it's right, it's right and it works. And so it's, 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 and it's really, it's not for other people. And now we're, you know, at a division one school. And so, you know, the marketing people want to grab a hold of it and all that. And that's fine, but that's not what it's for. It's an internal, you know, this is what we need to do. This is who we need to be in order to be our best. And um, I think sticking with that principle, you know, whether it's sexy or not um, has, uh, has really served us well. Uh, that's yeah, that's that's wonderful to hear. Hey, you've coached. And as I went back, you know, on your bio today, you know, you've coached you coached in Sweden. You know, you've been at a, a small division three school. You've coached in the NAIA. You've coached at, at Drake, you know, a non scholarship school. Now you're at Eastern Michigan in, in the Mac, you know, playing against Big Ten teams and everybody else. What is the you know, there's a whole there's obviously different levels of players within those. But. What would you say is the commonality uh, of the student athletes and, and of creating teams uh, wherever you go there, even though they're different levels? Because I know we've got coaches and players listening to this that may be at a top level high school, at, at a small high school, some youth kids, some coaches at different levels. What, what can you talk about the commonality of teams at every level? Yeah, that's I, I hope I can convey this. And, and this is going to sound so simple, but. You know, I, I wondered the exact thing that you're asking, right? I mean, <clears throat> when, when, uh, when I started coaching the first time, it was just, even though I, mean, I was 22 years old and it was division three to division three, but I was still, it was just, 
it was, you know, the question of what are these guys going to be different? You know, I mean, what, how is this going to be different? Or do they, are they going to seem older or younger, or, you know, whatever. And then, um, you know, um, went from division three to NAIA and this is scholarship players and they're from all over and, you know, what, what are they going to be like? And then just like you said, to, to Drake, to Eastern Michigan, whatever, here, here's the answer. Okay. Um, and uh, again, at, at first it may not seem to, you know, to be all that profound, but it, I think it actually is. They're all 18 to 22. Oh uh, yeah. So, yeah. And so that the 18 year old at Drake is not different than the 18 year old at Ottawa and the 18 year old at Ottawa is not different than the 18 year old at Eastern Michigan. And the 18 year old at Ottawa is not different than uh, the 18 year old at Notre Dame. Yes. Now, you know, the resources that they get and, you know, how they're treated and the, the program that they, you know, all of those things are different. Um, but to some degree, I've almost been uh, intimidated is, is too strong now, but, you know, there's that sense of wonder. Um, and to some degree, I mean, I remember freaking out about going from Drake to Eastern Michigan, um, you know, just like, oh my gosh, this is going to be so different. And this is division one and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, you know, I look back at that now and I just laugh at myself. Um, yeah. You know, when I think about my, my guys and I don't, I don't mean laugh because they're a joke. It's just because um, they're, they're awesome guys. They're 18 to 22 every year. Yeah. And there's a commonality when, when uh, you know, it, as I talk to guys and every once in a while, some they'll say, why, why didn't you get into coaching Patrick? And I said, I said, cause I remember what I was like at 18 years old. I wouldn't, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> I wouldn't want to trust my life to, to, uh, to me, but uh, yeah, you, you do that and, and you do that in, in an amazing way. Hey, tell me a quick story. And this just popped into my, into me, Chris, remember right, we're in Panama. Right. And that was the second trip we had done together. And you really wanted to focus on service. You said, you know, our trip to Switzerland, Austria was outstanding. We did some really cool things, you know, hiking up in the mountains. And but I know in Panama, when we talked to develop that, you wanted to really focus on service and, you know, getting these kids to to give back to somebody. And we uh, ended up working, you know, with that communal group up in the rainforest, uh, eating chicken soup for lunch that was as fresh as you could ever have. <laughs> and we, we just created, you know, this little farm for the, for this community that all lived up in, in the rainforest. And do you remember the massive rock? We were digging a tilapia pond, right? We yep, had to dig yep. this. The goal was to, to dig this pond that say was, you know, 10 yards by five yards, kind of a big oblong on the side of a mountain. And we had to get it like three feet deep. And then they were going to be able to, you know, raise tilapia fish for protein there, you know, forever. But we, as we dug, we ended up this rock in the middle of it got bigger and bigger as we removed the dirt. <laughs> Tell me your, uh, your memories of, of that rock. Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> yeah, it did. It just kept getting bigger and bigger, but my, but my memory, and this is what I love about, uh, you know, my Wabash guys, you know, <clears throat> the bigger the rock became, the more determined, you know, um, those guys were to get it out. Um, 
that, that thing could have gone all the way down to China and they'd yeah. be right down there digging right now. You know what I mean? This many years later, it was, and you remember the rain came and it's just oh, yeah. muddy and pouring down <laughs> rain and the guys are singing songs together and just getting after it. It was such a beautiful deal. I mean, you know, hey, they raised money, right? It, it, this should not yeah. be in your promotional materials, right? <laughs> ra- ra- raise money to go, you know, in the pouring down rain in the mud to dig out a rock. Um, but, but if you remember, I mean, we had an epic game and we're practicing in the bridge of America's there and yeah. got to go through the Panama canal, got to go into the jungle. We were on the beach, you know, we're in Panama city. And to this day, the guys say that the best part of the trip was working on that remote farm for those first two or three days. Um, you know, doing all the different things that we did. Um, and it's just, it's crazy how that works, but I think it was just the attitude, you know, of our guys, they enjoyed being with each other and enjoyed a challenge and, and, uh, to honestly, to some degree, you know, enjoyed serving and trying to make things better for other people. Um, but that was, that was another epic challenge right there. And, um, you know, just all the pictures of, you know, all those guys just drenched yeah. with the rain coming down and just, you know, toe, toe to head mud. Um, but they were victorious in the end. They got, they, it. they got it out when that, when that massive boulder finally moved, there was just this incredible crescendo of, you know, you thought you'd just beaten San Diego. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. It was, it, you know, you won the, the Monon bowl right there, you know, and, when you got that done. Um, so tell me about, you know, you've, every coach does this. I mean, you've taken on some big challenges as you've gone through your career, but talk about overcoming adversity a little bit, because every student athlete you're dealing with at some point is going to have to overcome minor or major adversities. Every coach has to everybody in life, right? I mean, uh, you know, our time in America and place in the world, talk, talk a little bit about how you, get your guys to focus on that and, and things maybe, you know, a tough adversity in your life, maybe that you've had to overcome that you can look back on now. Well, Patrick, I've learned a lot of this from you. I probably haven't ever told you that before, but um, you often, you know, talk about um, a speech that coach Parsegian had given to you all when you were playing at Notre Dame um, <clears throat> about every, every team has a breaking point. And how, you know, Notre Dame, that you guys didn't have a breaking point. And um, I've, I've thought a ton about that because you can get really deep really quick with that question. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, the question is, is, you know, what is or do we have a breaking point? Um, and, and the answer to that, and, and maybe not question and answer, but. Um, the antithesis to that is, uh, is knowing what your purpose is. Um, and, and again, that's where it gets really deep. But um, if, if you have purpose and you know what that purpose is, um, and, and if, that, if that is a deep, if that is a life purpose, um, you know, then you're essentially willing to die for it. Um, and so that that's the you know at the deepest point right and then you can have you know purposes that are still very meaningful and strong that aren't necessarily life and death 
Um, but I do really think that it's, it's, it's those two things that, that war against each other. And that is um, your purpose versus, you know, your, your, the breaking point, the breaking point being just whatever adversity comes your way. And um, so, you know, um, you know, as individuals, like I, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I don't know how to articulate this, but, you know, my first two seasons here, I knew uh, and know for sure that this is where I'm supposed to be. My wife and I uh, at Eastern Michigan, I mean, it was crystal clear and confirmed and affirmed um, several times. It's been confirmed and affirmed throughout the years that uh, that this is where we're supposed to be. And I needed that. I didn't yeah. need that, you know, just just to come. I needed it for that reason, too. But then I needed it to withstand, you know, going uh, two and 10 and, and one and 11 in the first two years and just all that comes with that. Um, and, and, uh, I'll tell you the, the second season, so we'd gone two and 10 and now we're, we're one and eight, um, going to Miami and Miami was one and eight. And, mm-hmm. uh, um, my job is to make sure that the guys get off the bus, uh, and, and play football. And we went down to Oxford, Ohio, and never got off the bus. Um, it was, and I find out, you know, later it was like, well, Hey, they were one and eight. So we just felt as though we were going to win. It's like, Oh boy. Uh, remember we were one and eight too. So I just totally failed. Um, you know, getting, getting our team ready and not taking anything away from, from Miami. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, if I'm being honest, uh, after the game, um, I was, I was at a, I was at a breaking point. I mean, I remember, I don't know how old I was at this time, but, you know, 45 years old or 46 years old. And I literally called my mom before I got on the bus. And and I said, I I am experiencing failure like this is this is what it feels like to fail. And, you know, I don't know that I honestly, if I'd really failed um, before. I mean, like I tried guitar lessons, but, and didn't like them and I couldn't play guitar, but I mean, you know, I mean, it wasn't something that, you know, where I was, you know, felt like a failure. Um, and, uh, and so, I mean, I was really at the same, at the same time though, deep, deep, deep down, I knew there was a purpose for me being here. I knew that I was supposed to go through this, even if that was what I was supposed to experience was, was failure, you know, which is obviously something needed for growth. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was at that breaking point. I put two years of my life in this thing and just, you know, we weren't, weren't a very good football team. Um, and, uh, but it, again, I can't articulate it very well, but at, you know, even though I wanted to feel bad and I, I felt bad and I felt failure at the same time, I just knew, I, I mean, shoot, I was, I was talking about Bill McCartney on the bus ride down there. I was listening to the 30 for 30 about Bill McCartney and I had my headphones on. I'm sitting in the front seat and they flashed to a promise keepers um, during the 30 for 30 series where he is exhorting, you know, the men at this promise keepers. And he was being, and he was saying, you know, stay the course, stay the course. And it was just a, you know, a, a couple seconds, you know, shot of him at this deal, but it brought me to tears. I mean, it literally, and this was on the bus going down to Miami. 
Um, mm-hmm. And it did. I mean, I'm in the bus, you know, trying to make sure no one can see me, but I got tears rolling down my face because he was exhorting, but that was in my spirit. Like I, he was speaking to me. And, uh, and so, you know, that was whatever, you know, 24 hours before I was experiencing this, um, uh, this, this feel, uh, feelings of failure. And so I always still knew that I was supposed to be here and didn't think that it was going to end, uh, poorly. Um, but it's because of the purpose, um, knowing that I had purpose and being there is, is what, if anything sustained me, um, what, what was able to. So, um, it's an awesome question. I don't know if that's a very good answer, but that's, that's uh, you, what I really, you explain, you explain it well. And obviously, you know, I, you and I talked when you took that Eastern Michigan job, which I said, what are you crazy? <laughs> and you said, yeah, a lot of your coach buddies asked the same thing. You know, you, you went into a challenge that had not had a winning season, like 26 years, never gone to a bowl game. Now each year you've been able to defeat, you know, a power five team, you know, you've been able to get to bowl games. You've been able to get, you know, get winning seasons and, and you've got guys. And I know you've got other challenges and goals right there. Um, but just a couple other quick things. One thing I've known about you forever and probably why we get along is you live life with passion, right? I mean, you get up every day and, and hey, we all get days when we don't feel like it, but you get at it with, with great passion. Why do you do this? I mean, you know, you, you could be, you know, you could be coaching anywhere. You didn't have to take on that challenge, but what, what drives you every day, Chris, to, to live it with such passion? Well, that's, um, that, that's a, no, that, that's an awesome question. I, I don't know. Uh, there's, there's so many ways that I could answer that. And then, you know, part of the answer is, you know, I don't, I don't totally know. Um, but, uh, gosh, I, um, the, the reason that I, that I, you know, started coaching, um, you know, probably wasn't, you know, to try to impact guys' lives. I was 22 years old, you know, I mean, I probably just couldn't do anything else. Um, and, and it always been, you know, in leadership roles and, um, just loved, you know, making the team, you know, as good as we could be, you know, and just, uh, as, as a player. Um, but, uh, when, when I became a head coach, you know, I did, I had a vision statement. Um, and it wasn't because I had a master's class that said, come up with a vision statement. It was, it was just something that was, that was in my mind. I couldn't get it out of my mind. And when I was thinking about taking over this first program, it was like, I told you on my, my phone call earlier, it was, man, I got to get these guys, you know, overseas. They've got to experience that. I've got to get them to climb a mountain. I've got, because those were things that were just relevant, you know, in, in my life. And so I wanted my guys to experience them. Um, and, and so my statement became my vision is to make playing football at Eastern Michigan or at Drake or Wabash or Ottawa, one of the most incredible experiences of our guys' lives. Um, and, and part of that goes back to coach Trestle's winner's manual. It just opened up my world to, you know, if we're going to have a hundred or so guys every year, you know, for those formative years where from 18 to 22, no matter how they've been raised, they're away from home most for the very first time. And, and those years are when they're actually deciding who they're going to be, no matter how they, how they've been raised. They're, they're, they're making those grown up decisions for themselves. And, you know, what an awesome time of life to be alongside, um, you know, these, these young men. And so 
Um, you know, the passion coaching wise is, you know, when I'm laying in bed at night and whatnot, you know, I'm thinking about power or, you know, how we can, uh, you know, our pin punt or whatever, but really what gets me fired up is, is just making it one of the most incredible experiences of, of our guys' lives. Um, and, and so that's probably like the, the coaching piece, but there's more to it. I mean, it's just, you know, getting guys to believe in something bigger than themselves. I mean, I'm just, that fires me up, you know, it fires me up when people look down on you and, uh, you know, um, you know, sort of the haves and have nots or who's better and who's not. I mean, I just, uh, I, I, I love fighting that. Um, I love fighting against uh, society. I mean, I've been fighting yeah. against peer pressure, you know, ever since the, yeah. the seventh yeah. grade, you know, and, and so I think that there's, you know, passion that comes from that. Um, but u- ultimately, you know, it would, it really does derive from my faith. You know, I think Jesus was the most passionate person um, to ever, you know, walk this earth. Um, and uh, unlike so many people think, um, he's not a passionless, weak, soft, you know, um, uh, permissive person. Um, he's the toughest um, person who's ever walked this earth. And and if you read, you know, if you read his word, it's, uh, you know, he, he basically calls us out. He, he wants people who are all in who are completely committed, who are all passion and who are willing to give up their lives for the life that he has. And so there, it's, I think it's impossible to do without doing it um, with, with passion. Um, I mean, he, the lukewarm, you know, he says he wants to spit out, you know, yeah. and, and that's, that, that's how I feel that I am most of the time, you know, I'm not either not hot or cold. And, and uh, so um, I, I really do believe that, uh, you know, my purpose comes from that faith um, and uh, just how he, he lived his life and the relationship that I have with him now. Um, I don't think that there's any other way to live um, claiming the things that I claim in terms of uh, trying to be a follower of Jesus. Well, thank you, Chris. This is uh, this is inspiring to me. It's all I always enjoy, you know, talking to you more so I enjoy it when we get to go to the tops of mountains together. Let's uh, we'll, keep, <laughs> right. we'll keep doing that. I'm sure until, uh, <laughs> until someone will be pushing us up those dang mountains. But, uh, I love what you do and, and how you do it. And you've inspired me to do this podcast. And for any folks who, you know, enjoy this podcast, uh, talking with leaders and coaches and different people, you know, be sure to, to share this. This is let's go. It's on Spotify, Google tunes, all kinds of, of places. Chris, just as a final note, give me, uh, you know, here's your, here's your, here's your team in front of you, right? Uh, all these, you know, young men and women around the world who, you know, could be listening to you today. What, what's your final exhortation for, for today to, uh, to maybe people who, who need some, some motivation today? Well, yeah, I, I mean, I would just say that, um, you know, when there's, when there's tough times, there's always opportunity. Um, and, and so it's just changing our mindset right now, this morning about, you know, what, what this day, um, uh, can hold for us op- opportunity wise. Um, you know, after the first two years, the really tough years here at Eastern Michigan, um, after the last game, which we lost to a rival, I put a sign up outside and over the top of our team meeting room. And, um, so when the guys came in for the last meeting, 
which was also the first meeting of the next year, they saw this sign. And I had it, it was in diamond plate. And it said, tough times don't last, tough people do. And, uh, you know, that is, that is truth. <laughs> um, but that's a, there's a decision. It's not some are and some aren't. It's a decision. You know, who, who are you? Who are we going to be? You know, are you going to be a tough person? Um, and, and to realize that today has unbelievable opportunity, even amidst, um, you know, the, the challenges. Um, and, and I think that when we look at things in a positive light, uh, choose um, to, to, to go in that direction. Um, I think that, uh, that, that you've got a chance. I also want to say this, Patrick, um, and for everybody who's listening, is that you are so good at what you do. And I think that one of the things that you do is that you serve people and you, you serve them by giving them usually life-changing opportunities or, or once-in-a-lifetime opportunities with the different uh, trips that you give. But what you do is you serve people. You know, and you do that when you're on when you're on the trip, you know, it's always about, you know, just trying to make it a special experience uh, for everybody else. And I do think in times like this as well, you know, the more that we can get outside of ourselves and to be others centered, um, things change. So, you know, for someone who's sitting at home and they, you know, they're in quarantine or, you know, just getting getting old, getting hard. When you're thinking about yourself, then you can get yourself into a pretty dark place. But when you're looking not only for opportunity to make things better, but to serve others, um, it fundamentally changes you on the inside. Um, and uh, I, I see that in you, Patrick. You've got an awesome life, an awesome family, and, and uh, you're always positive. Um, but you're always serving other people. And I think those two things go, go hand in hand. Thanks, Chris. Uh, I'm blessed to know you, to share some of the wonders of the world, and uh, we will stay in touch uh, forever. All right, folks, the the end of our podcast for today, Coach Chris Crate from Eastern Michigan. Uh, Go Eagles. Thank you, and let's go.